Mike Weir, welcome to the RevAmp podcast show. We are absolutely excited to have you on board here today to learn from you uh, and to, to gather something from your experiences. For those who don't already know you, if you would just maybe start by introducing yourself, your role, and, and uh, a little bit about your company, and that'd be a, a great opening point. Excellent. Thank you. It's great to be on the, the program today. Uh, so this is Mike Weir. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer at G2. Uh, G2 is the world's largest software marketplace where we aspire to help buyers make better, more informed and efficient decisions on what software is going to help their business, their government, their educational institution to be able to meet their mission. Uh, in my role, I work with the whole revenue organization for G2 globally with the partnerships organization and our customer success organization to ensure that our clients who are trying to engage with and impact the buyers using our platform are equally as successful as those buyers in making their decisions. Fantastic. So I know something from speaking with you prior that, uh, that other people might know. I know that aside from being a, being a fantastic part of the G2 team, you're also a global traveler uh, and have, have brought those experiences to the table. Just, just, just before we dig into the tech side of things, what's been the highlight for, for you from your traveling experiences? Any place that stand out for you? Yeah, so many places, actually. As I mentioned uh, before we started, you know, I've, I've been to almost every single continent in the world. I, I do have to plan that trip to Antarctica. I'm looking for that boat that I can get on so I can just you know, put a foot on Antarctica and say, I've been everywhere. But the places that I have been, uh, one of the most notable was going to South Africa and spending a week in Cape Town, traveling around the southern coast, and then eventually going on safari for a week. Uh, it was a life-changing experience. We were exceptionally lucky because we saw the, the big five uh, in the first uh, 48 hours wow. that we were on safari. So we were exceptionally lucky and blessed to be able to go on such an amazing experience. And I've encouraged everybody since to head over to South Africa, go on safari and meet the amazing people. That's very cool. I wonder which safari park, which safari park was it that you visited? Do you remember? Uh, so it was a, a private park just off of the west side of Kruger National Park. Awesome. So I can't recall the very specific place. This is now about, uh, gosh, almost a decade ago. So I grew up visiting Kruger National Park every single vacation because we were just around the corner from there. So that was our local uh, local for every vacation. Um, so yeah, the watering hole at sunset was a, was a highlight growing up as a kid over there, uh, and seeing all the, uh, the wildlife come to that. So I don't know what the segue is from wildlife parks to tech, and I'll think about that at another stage, but today we want to tackle, you know, your role as CRO within the context of RevOps and how you partner with biz business planning to look forward. Um, and why that is, of course, you know, maybe start off with why that is important for you at G2 Crowd at your stage of growth. Because I think that's the context for it. You know, you guys are at a certain stage right now where you want to be predictable in terms of your revenue, revenue modeling. So if you wouldn't mind just laying out the foundation for why is that kind of high up on your agenda right now? Yeah, it, you're, you're really touching on one of the most important parts is that we have to build a predictable revenue stream, uh, a predictable growth path that you know, our executive team aligns on, our company aligns on, our investors align on. 
And one of the foundations of doing that is using our data and our predictive analytics exceptionally well. So my revenue operations team is my closest partner. It's the group that I talk to the absolute most within the organization. And we, you know, we want to build business planning processes that think on two different levels. We want to be thinking long-term where we have in my first four months in the job at G2 built out, what is our three-year revenue strategy? And we want to know where we're trying to get to. We want to understand the milestones and the important things that we have to accomplish along the way in that long-term plan. And then we do short-term planning around that. So what do we have to do in the next three months, six months to keep charting towards that three-year vision? And we've you know, found that that is extremely helpful, both in my current role and my prior lives, uh, leading revenue organizations within LinkedIn most recently. Uh, we want to show everybody where the destination is. We want to make sure we are galvanizing the team and getting them to understand why certain things we're asking within our you know, V2 mom metrics and methods. Like, why are we asking for certain things right now? How does that ratchet up to the bigger picture? How does this help our buyer experience? How does this help our clients be more productive and successful within our platform? And so it's you know, really creating that roadmap that helps everybody stay aligned as we're building towards our future and simultaneously helping our buyers and our clients be successful. Interesting. Um, so in relation to that, I'm guessing from what you said that, and from what you said previously, that, that pacing it, building out a pacing model that establishes the tempo is a big part of that. What goes into uh, to the management of that process? How do you build out a, a pacing model that's effective? Uh, I know historically VPs of sales like to bring money forward into, you know, current quarter. Um, does that mean, you know, I'm going to ask you the, the tough question here. Does that mean you're at odds with the VP of sales that you want to pace it out and they want to bring it forwards? Yeah. So our, the way I think about uh, the pacing model that, that we have built and that we're continuously trying to refine, it's, it's not necessarily trying to go against the grain of deal motions. It's trying to better understand what is the momentum profile that we have as a business right now. And rather than just looking in the rear view mirror, rather than just coming into a forecast meeting and going, you know, deal mm -hmm. by deal by deal and saying, okay, is it going to close or not close? We want to have forward looking guidance for the revenue leadership team, the individuals that run regions, run specific teams within my organization. Right. I want to give them forward looking knowledge that has more of the science of what is the momentum of your business right now? to pair with the art that they bring, which is the one-on-one -on -one conversations with their account executives, their relationship managers, where you know they're really in the trenches talking to clients and getting a sense of, is this deal gonna happen? Is this renewal gonna happen? You know, are they really excited about a new feature we've rolled out and, and they do want to invest incrementally in that? You know, they're bringing a lot of the art, reading the signs, asking the questions, you know, building that confidence. And my role, my RevOps role is trying to then say, based on your historic pattern, let me just give you a sense of where we see you ending this quarter. Because there was always too big of a divide and a lack of predictability where we you know, would start a quarter 
and we would go you know really low with our forecast because the team hadn't built up their pipeline yet. They hadn't been thinking about what was going to happen in month two and month three of the quarter. So when I came in, you know, we would go into the executive meetings, to the board meetings, and we'd be saying, okay, well, we think we might end at, you know, 85% this quarter. And that's week one. But, you know, happily, by the end of the quarter, we're hitting 105% of our target. And it's like, well, what happened in between there? And so we're, we're utilizing our pacing models that read the signals of previous close rates, previous pipeline development rates, current momentum on you know, improvements in those metrics to say, we're going to help you see, you know, you may only see a million dollars of pipeline right now an opportunity right now, but based on your historic pattern for the last four, six, eight quarters, that million in pipeline will grow to 1.5 if your normal pattern continues. And so just know you're going to find 500,000 other dollars out there that you haven't been counting on, that you haven't been forecasting. And we want them to have a more accurate you know, understanding of where their business is going to go so that we can then apply sales math and say, okay, to keep on that path, here's how much pipeline you need to be building each week. Here's how those deals have to be progressing each week. And that way they can see if they're continuing to drive their business forward or, you know, read the warning signs of, Ooh, I'm falling off. I need to kind of need to figure out like, why are my close rates going down? Why is my pipeline not growing as much as it normally does in the second month, the beginning of the third month of each quarter that would throw off my success this quarter? It makes complete sense now. Uh, thank you. So, I take my question back now. It doesn't seem like you're at odds. It seems like, of course, you're enabling them to, to a great degree and giving them confidence. And it's not about pushing, you know, deals off. It's literally about, um, from your point of view, maybe also giving, giving them confidence in the present quarter while also having an eye on the next quarter and how to build for that. And you, I think you mentioned at some point that you will look as far as six to 18 months ahead will you have a conversation with your sales leaders which looks that far ahead or is it more, more that you kind of have that strategic view and you kind of give them enough rope to deal with the kind of present and next step or do you invite them to the whole big picture? Yeah, we, we do invite, every, you know, well, not everybody. We invite the senior leadership team into the long-term conversation. Um, we want to make sure that we have planning rhythms that do look six months out, that do look 12 months out. Because when you start doing a really good job with a pacing model and you start projecting forward and kind of checking in and continuously revisiting, you know, what is our current momentum profile look like? There's mm -hmm. two very big implications that can help us do a better job as a leadership team to make our team even more effective and our business more effective. We can start seeing warning signs early and that may be at a team specific level. And that could lead to you know, talent conversations about, hey, what can we do to help that could lead to, you know, broader issues that we're seeing in the business where maybe there's a specific segment that no longer has as much interest and we have to understand what changed. So we want to see those warning signs, you know, six, nine months in advance of them happening uh, so that we can prevent the forest fire from starting. And then 
on the more positive side, we also want to see where the breakpoints are going to happen because we have hyper growth going on and because a team is doing so well right now and we see it continuing for two quarters, all of a sudden we're going to be like, wait a second, you're going to have too much. Like you're doing too well. You're going to have too many clients to work with and you're going to start underserving them and they're going to start being upset with us. So we need to hire ahead. We need to get more people in to help you out or we need to change an internal process. We need to create more educational materials in partnership with our marketing organization to keep up with the pace of new clients that we're onboarding. So we wanna look for those you know, warning signs as well as those really positive breakpoints to plan ahead so that we are preventing issues from happening before you know, a fire drill hits and they're like, I've got too much, I've got too much going on. I can't handle the number of clients I've got. It's like, okay. We've already planned for that and we're already working ahead. So you don't ever get to that point as a relationship manager to say, I've got too much. I'm working too hard. It's like, we want to keep that workload balanced really well. So Mike, you mentioned to me prior that uh, in terms of some of the building blocks of this, of this model, you've, you've covered revenue forecasting and touched on that to some degree. Future headcount, you just touched on there. And then the third pillar that you shared with me was the apex requirements. So, so, so what does that mean? What is that all about in relation to this model? Yeah, so the operating expenses are also pretty key. You know, a company like G2, especially during COVID times, we want to be very smart about where we're investing our cash. Mm -hmm. And so the more we can plan ahead, the more we can see where some issues are going to be. We're not making just snap judgments. We are analyzing what is some of the biggest risk that we're facing? What are some of the biggest upside opportunities that we have? And we're making investments uh, appropriately, not just in the headcount, as I was alluding to before, but you know, where could we spend cash to help improve our content, to help uh, advance our go-to-market with a marketing campaign about a new product feature that isn't getting as much adoption. And we are really excited about it and we want more of the market to know about it. So we're utilizing some of those forward-looking projections to say, you know, we're building a stable revenue stream so we can actually spend 25K now to run a marketing campaign to make sure that our clients know about this feature. That's awesome. And they're just not adopting it as much as we'd like. So we can predict more of, uh, of where our revenue is going to be able to add to the business case of why we can invest dollars right now to help our go-to-market strategy. Fantastic. So when I, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that, of course, you're telling this story from the viewpoint of a CRO. I imagine for many young revenue operations, sales operations professionals, they probably come up to you with a multitude of great ideas. Um, I think what would be helpful to do is to hear a little bit of how you filter the many things that are pitched to you internally, one from the other, what your priority framework uh, looks like and, and literally why you think the way that you do more so than the what. Yeah, so it's a great question. And it is honestly something that uh, I deal with every single day. It is, um, it's great to be in a company that has tons of ideas, tons of opportunity to, to help our clients and to scale our buyer experience. Uh, but it does mean that we have to be very judicious in how we think about which investment are we going to go with. And I would say for individuals that are, are bringing ideas forward, one, 
absolutely do it. You know, really hone that idea first and foremost. And a couple of very key things to be thinking about is one, how does this idea fit into the bigger picture metrics that the company, that the revenue organization is trying to drive to? is the toughest thing when you're fielding a dozen new ideas every single week is forcing me to figure out how does this help is almost a sure way of it getting punted. So really coming in with a strong business case that connects your idea to the bigger picture of what the organization or the revenue team is trying to accomplish, that's table stakes. Secondarily, do your homework, reach out to broader parts of the revenue of our organization and build that supporter base of individuals. Because the first thing I'm going to do, if like the RevOps team comes to me with an idea or if product marketing comes to me with an idea is ask who is behind this. So there's 10 different teams within my organization that should be using this idea. How many of them have already said that they support it, that they're excited about it, that they're eager to do this? And if you haven't built that consensus, I'm going to ask you to go out and build that consensus. Because one of the challenging things as an individual that sits in the executive team is, you know, I don't want to have to force things on my team. I want to be able to fit things into the way the team operates to be successful. So it is extremely important not just to use me as a lever to force people to do things. You have to be able to make sure your idea fits into the bigger picture, help sell that into the teams. Because at the end of the day, if they're not buying into it, I could do a top-down edict, but we're gonna have really bad adoption and we're gonna spend a ton of extra time trying to get people to use you know, that new sales tech that you wanted to get in for you know, call listening as an example. But if you've built that base of support, if they're helping sell this into me with you, then you're off to a great start because you've connected it to the bigger picture. You've built that base of support and it becomes much easier for me to say, okay, in the grander scheme of things, this idea fits what we're trying to do. This idea has broad support. So ultimately, if we invest in it, it should be successful. And I believe that it will drive the impact that you say it will. So let's do it. In real terms, not from your perspective, but from perhaps the one that would be uh, rolling up to you, there's a, there's a potential challenge there that I see. And that's the fact that the person who might be best at gaining consensus, maybe they're the most likable, maybe they're the most political, maybe they're the most uh, strong-minded, might not be the same person that has the best and most intelligent ideas. They might be two completely different people. So how do you create that culture where it, where it works and where it happens without the need to become more political. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of politics. Um, so I couldn't think of, I couldn't think of a more gentle way to ask that, but you know, sometimes once you say that everybody has to adopt it, then people might start to say, well, I need you to adopt my idea first before I promote your idea second. Um, so you have to protect that Mike in terms of you being the CRO and creating the expectation, you have to make sure that you don't create a breeding ground for that nonsense. So, uh, so how do you do that? Yeah, I think there's, there's just a, an aspect of transparency and um, really creating forums for people to showcase and share ideas. There's, there isn't hierarchy 
uh, within our organization. I haven't operated that way at prior companies either. If you have an idea, you can bring it to me without question. And so there, there is a need for senior leadership, anybody in leadership to be open to hearing people's ideas. And there's a difference of saying, you just flat out shutting somebody down and closing the door and saying, you know, walk away versus I've heard your idea. You don't have consensus. These are the five people that I need you to go talk to, that I need you to get feedback from and understand are they on board or not? Now there's a difference in the way we approach things because uh, I'm a kind of a believer in the rapid framework from, you know, from the Bain organization. Uh, and then from within that rapid framework, also utilizing kind of clean escalation processes that allow somebody to go out and try to build consensus, try to get the people that fall into that agree bucket of the rapid. You know, they're the recommender. They're trying to get everybody who needs to be in agreement to agreement. But if they can't get to agreement, they can still clean escalate it up to me and say, hey, I'm presenting this recommendation, but I'm going to be open and honest with this other person in the room. They are not in agreement. Here's my understanding of why they're not in agreement. The other person has the opportunity to say, you know, here is why I'm not in agreement. Here's what they're not thinking about. Here's some of the other implications. And then I become the ultimate decision maker, or it could be somebody within my own leadership team that becomes a decision maker, but they are openly and transparently hearing both sides of the argument before they make their final decision. And so part of this is creating the culture of just sharing and engaging on ideas and then creating process and making that process very known and ubiquitous that just because you're not getting full consensus and agreement doesn't mean we can't make a decision. Doesn't mean we can't push forward. We just want to do it transparently because the politics become highly prevalent when you're going behind somebody's back after they've openly said, I don't agree with this. And they may have all the right rationale. But if I don't know what that rationale is, if I don't know that they're in disagreement, then it can create a really bad culture. So we want to just bring transparency and understanding to why are there dissenting opinions? And if I do make a decision, yes or no, I also have to give equal clarity on why I agree or disagree with you know, e either side of this conversation. That sounds really both healthy and fair. So I'm glad that you, uh, you expanded on that one. Mike, um, as we kind of wrap things up here, um, first of all, wanted to thank you. I hope this isn't the last time that we get to, uh, to interview you and to speak together. I hope you come back X amount of months down the road and, and, and share a little bit more with us how the pacing model has, has worked out for you as you kind of roll it out and, and learn more and do more. Um, we've obviously uh, continued to wish you massive success over there at, at G2. G2, I almost called you G2 crowd, just G2 uh, these days. <laughs> um, and yeah, huge thanks to you from, from all of our audience and everybody with the, the RevAmp team. And yeah, we're wishing you even more success as you, as you take things further. Awesome. Thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, really excited for the future and can't wait to come back on again and talk more about how we've continued to advance and what else we're seeing out in this market of how CROs and RevOps can work really well together to drive their businesses forward. Perfect. Thanks, Mike.